attachment styles. For those of you who do not know what the attachment style theory is, I'm not gonna be going into explaining all of that information. I will leave a link to my favorite resources down below. I personally love psychology in Seattle as a resource to learning more about psychology. Dr. Kirkonda never misses with how he tends to humanize psychology, but also objectify it and explain it in a way that is very understandable and digestible. He himself has talked about how attachment style theory can explain so many different aspects of people and why they do things. And so there's four different attachment styles, right? There's secure attachment, there's avoidant attachment, there's anxious attachment, and there's fearful avoidant or disorganized attachment style. I actually tried to talk about this months ago, but I was struggling with being nonverbal pretty bad that day. I filmed it over and over again about six times before I finally gave up on it. So here I am ready to tackle this topic again. This video is going to be more of a stream of consciousness talking about my thoughts, my experiences with it instead of generalizing the different types of attachment styles and its relationship to autism because I do believe autism is just a neurotype, right? And so I don't like to pinhole autistic individuals too much in saying, oh, we struggle with A, B, C, D. We have these types of attachment styles because of the autism. When in reality, your neurodivergency, your autism could look very different and present differently. My attachment style struggles and strengths may be completely different from other autistic individuals. And so I just want to stick to my own observations of myself and have that be a point of discussion and understanding for yourself and your loved ones. Now let's hear a message from today's sponsor, BetterHelp. Honestly, being a neurodivergent person trying to survive in a neurotypical world can be very overwhelming. A lot of us commonly struggle with anxiety or depression as a result. And I know more than anyone how lonely this journey can be. And that's why I'm excited to share with you guys today's sponsor, BetterHelp. Some of you guys may already know this, but BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more accessible and affordable. And this is a very important mission because finding a therapist can be really hard, especially if you're limited to the options within your area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in as little as a few days. By clicking this link, you are not only helping to support this channel, but it also gives you 10% off your first month. And because finding a therapist that meets all of your needs could be difficult, and you may find out that they may not be compatible with you, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost without stressing about insurance, who's in your network, or anything like that. So if you're struggling, please don't do it alone. Consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link down below or visit betterhelp.com thoughtspot. Thank you again, BetterHelp, for supporting this channel. Now let's get back to the video. So for me, throughout my life, I would say I typically exhibit an avoidant attachment style more often. In certain experiences of my life, I was taught to have an anxious attachment style in order to make up for the avoidant attachment style. And of course, within the past years of my life, I've been really working on reaching a secure attachment style in my partnerships and in my friendships. So for me, what does it look like to have an avoidant attachment style? Because I've been through essentially my whole life, 
life not being diagnosed with ADHD or autism, I've subconsciously created a lot of different types of ways of survival and coping mechanisms within socializing with others. What happens when you are a high camouflaging, high masking person is socializing with others and having relationship with others becomes very uncomfortable and you almost need to have these moments to yourself to rest and to recuperate on the lost energy. Although I do crave connection with others, it's almost like physically speaking, I need to have breaks from other people because I didn't know how to relate to others in a sustainable way. That's not something that was talked about a lot. That's not something that was promoted. And so for a lot of my life, my pattern of relating to other people was to show up within my relationships in a way that is always attuning to the other person because otherwise I was seen as a selfish, ignorant person. And so my way of making up for that was to, every time I was with someone, be there to completely tune in on every need that they have, everything that they're feeling, be there to fix, be there to support, be there to encourage. And my needs were just not a part of the equation. And as you can see, that's not sustainable, right? There comes a time where I have to meet my needs. But I basically learned that in order to meet my needs, I have to go off by myself. And this is what created that avoidant attachment style because every time I hit a point where I had to get my needs met, instead of having a healthy way to incorporate those needs within the relationship with others, I had to sometimes abandon other people or to go off on my own and alienate myself in order to get those needs met by myself. And I think before the diagnosis, I kind of viewed myself as a very shy, introverted person. I had thought that I just needed a lot of alone time and I had almost commitment issues because I had a hard time being consistent with friends or there were times where I got really overstimulated by partners if I was around them too much and I wanted to take a break from them when in reality, a lot of it was just my neurodivergent needs not being addressed or met. I think a result of not bringing up your needs and your accommodations within your relationships with others is you ultimately abandoning that person because you reach a point where you have to prioritize yourself. And I've done this countless of times throughout my life. Yes, in some instances, I feel like it was necessary regardless because sometimes you're just not compatible with someone and you don't really get along with them. But I do think there were a lot of quality relationships lost because of the inability to incorporate the neurodivergency into my life and communicate honestly about my needs because I felt like there was no way to accommodate to myself and I felt like it was too big of a burden for others to accommodate to me but at the same time I wasn't giving anyone a chance to even accommodate to me and I'm sure there were a lot of people that were willing to do so you know I feel like what usually would happen is I met someone and I've realized that I was consistently uncomfortable I realized all the different ways we weren't compatible and it ultimately reached a point where I didn't feel like I wanted to be around them anymore and it wasn't worth my time and I would eventually detach from them and take space away from them and it would always feel very confusing for the other person because if, from their perspective the relationship was amazing right 
Of course it was because I was always making sure it was amazing for them and I was accommodating to them. And so it was probably so surprising to them when I ultimately didn't want to be around them anymore or couldn't be around them anymore. And I didn't communicate that. So it kind of just looks like I abandoned them when in reality, I just wasn't compatible with them. And there was just never a discussion or there was never a way for them to be a part of that conversation. And I feel like this avoidant attachment style more so comes out in my friendships because in my eyes, friendships, you could kind of afford to take space away from the person. And you can't necessarily afford to do that with your partners because you can't necessarily tell your partner, hey, can I go peace out for like a month and not talk to you? Because that, that it just doesn't work, right? You have to be with your partner and therefore you kind of have to confront these types of difficult things with them more often. Okay, yeah. Do what you need to do, Bailey. Needless to say, my dating history was I consistently dated extremely avoidant partners, but it wasn't until my last relationship where I was able to realize that I myself was actually avoidant and tried to make up for it by being with another avoidant person. That's where the anxious attachment style came out of because a result of being with an avoidant person is that I felt extremely anxious because I didn't feel confident with how the other person felt about me. I didn't feel wanted. I didn't feel like they craved being around me. And so I found myself feeling extremely insecure about my attachment with the other person and I didn't have my needs met. And my last partner, luckily enough, was pretty good at communicating with me about these type of issues. Because we both are pretty avoidant people, we were able to find a way to have our own space away from each other and still come together at the end of the day to spend time. And so I think I was able to realize with that partnership what it meant for me to have a secure attachment style. And what it meant for me to have a secure attachment style with a partner was to have my space away from them, have my autonomy outside of them, and still trust that they love me and want to be with me, have them have their own life, and we both choose to come back together and do things together because we genuinely want to. We trust each other, we do our own thing. That's my sweet spot, right? And so it was really eye-opening for me to, for the first time within my relationships, have secure attachment style. I felt like I was thriving in a sense. If anything, I think my past partner and I had too much space from each other because we liked our space too much. And there were times where we could go a whole week without talking to each other, even though we lived together. And in a sense, we weren't really compatible but that's kind of how life goes, right? You go through different types of relationships that teaches you different aspects of yourself and allows you to grow in different ways. Yes, in a sense, I was able to reach secure attachment style, but we weren't necessarily compatible in a way that was for our long-term needs. And so with my current partner, he is more of a disorganized attachment style. So what that means is he craves connection and needs connection, but is also deeply scared of connection and trust and intimacy. This has been a very big 
learning curve for me and it's allowed me to grow in a lot of different ways because it's challenged my own attachment styles in all of these very complex ways because on one hand my current partner is very needy right <laughs> And I'm not saying that to make him feel bad. I'm not saying that to even discourage him or discount him because in many ways, I do think his neediness is good for me because I do tend to be a more avoidant type of person. And so it kind of makes me exercise what it means to want to be around my partner and to attach to my partner more than I would be used to because oh my god I haven't cuddled with someone or been around someone or been more affectionate with someone as much as I am with my current partner than I ever did with anyone in my life and it's because he is such a golden retriever We often joke that I'm like a black cat and he's a golden retriever. And it's just so true, right? And I feel like in a sense, his golden retriever energy allows me to warm up a little bit more and be a little bit more loving in my partnerships. But it's very difficult because it's also challenged my need for autonomy and my need for space because I feel like if I were to need my autonomy and space, it would be somewhat triggering for my partner because he might feel abandoned at times by me. And in a sense, I've had to teach myself to reassure and encourage my partner to tap into his own independence and autonomy while also knowing that I am someone that he could feel safe around and someone that he could trust. Because as someone with disorganized attachment style, my partner can struggle a lot with feeling unsafe around someone he loves. And I find that it's extremely challenging for me because I don't necessarily get my space when I need it. And as well, a part of that is needing to constantly check in with him to see if he's okay because he doesn't necessarily feel safe to open up about not being okay around me. And so I not only feel like at times I have to abandon my own needs, but I have to feel like I'm attuning into his needs and needing to draw it out of his shell and out behind those walls in order for him to express and feel safe in expressing. Hey, Matt, no. Are you grumpy? No. Are you sad? No. Are you angry? No. What are you? I don't know. But this is kind of the beauty of relationships because your different attack because your different attachment styles could trigger each other in different ways that forces you to reflect, grow, and compromise as a person. And I think that is such a beautiful aspect of the human experience that allows you to continually grow through your relationships. One of the most purifying paths you can walk as an awakened individual due to its ability to absolutely annihilate the ego and its protection mechanisms is walking the path of union with another self. The ego is really sneaky. And I used to think this way and I see this thought 
a lot within certain communities that walking the path alone is somehow better or it's placed on a pedestal or that you're a more mature soul for being able to do it alone. But it's easy to walk the path alone and stay lifted and connected to your higher self when your deepest woundings are not being triggered through the reflection of another self. It's easy to have high and beautiful philosophical views of the world, but where you're really put to the test is when you are in the sweetest, deepest love with another, soaring beyond the clouds in terms of the pendulum of human emotions, because then you will be required to plunge to the opposite end of the spectrum into the depths of your shadow self to a degree that most situations and circumstances and relationships in your life cannot take you. All of your unprocessed possessiveness and unworthiness tendencies, jealousy tendencies are all lurking beneath the subconscious without you even knowing it weighing you down. You think you're so high and above what other humans experience. Then you begin to walk the path of freedom with another soul and you two fit each other's karmic predicaments like a glove. And then you really see that you're just as susceptible as anyone else. And the most important factor in walking the path of freedom with another self is that both parties are aware of the mechanism of purification. Then together through the alchemizing power of true unconditioned love, you two can support each other in undoing these deeply held karmic knots, these anchors, knowing that it's not about your partner and what they did or didn't do, but it's about these sticky spots within you that are clouding your ability to be more of your true self. And you can get very expanded this way very quickly because the ego has nowhere to hide. It's a very accelerated path that's not for the faint of heart. But when it does come, trust that you'll be ready and you truly begin to understand the meaning of walking each other home. I think a way I could get my needs met within a relationship that allows me to still maintain a secure attachment style is by allowing opportunities for parallel play because that is a necessity for me. I need to have my moments to myself where I don't think about the other person. And that doesn't necessarily mean I don't want to be around them. I actually relate to cats a lot in a sense where I like to be around my people. I like to be next to them. I like to have the opportunity to attach and cuddle with them. But at the same time, I need my own space to do my own things at times. And him, as someone who has a disorganized attachment style, he actually wants independence and autonomy as well, but he also could be very clingy and ignore those needs for autonomy. So having a partner, which is me, encourage parallel play allows him to practice doing his own thing when he wants to do it and not fear that he's letting me down or fear that I'm unhappy with him. I feel like as an avoidantly attached person, something I need reassurance on is that I do not have to abandon myself and my needs for the sake of another person and I'm still allowed to be autonomous and independent and as someone who's anxiously attached, I need to be reassured that my relationship to the other person is important to them and my worth is valued by them. I think as a securely attached person, my worth to them is not questioned. I feel safe around them and I feel free to do my own thing. And I've noticed that for my partner who's fearfully attached or disorganized fearful attachment, What's most important to him is to feel like he is wanted, to feel like he has freedom to be himself, and to feel like he is safe within a relationship. I think the safe part is the most important. Feeling as if the person he is wanting to be around is someone he could also feel safe around and is also someone who is not going to abandon him and therefore he doesn't have to constantly feel like he wants to run away from the relationship as well. The quickest way to trigger my avoidant attachment style 
style is as soon as someone makes me feel responsible for their baggage, their emotional regulation, and their trauma. When I feel like that person doesn't take accountability for themselves and instead expects me to be the source of energy and validation. I feel like that is the quickest way to get me to want to run away from you. I do not want to feel like no matter what I say and do, you will always be struggling because at the end of the day, you're only looking at me as an endless source of validation. I am not looking for that. I do not want that. That is the most scary thing as someone who already struggles with having low energy and chronic fatigue. I don't want to be that person for another person. That doesn't mean I am not empathetic. That doesn't mean I don't want to be there for them and love someone, right? I am very empathetic. I'm very loving. I'm very attuned. I'm very patient. But that is why I need to have boundaries for myself because if I'm not careful about setting my boundaries, someone will literally just suck the life out of me like a parasite. And I've had people like that in my life and I'm not looking for that anymore. I think that's why, if anything, I find myself wanting to be around more avoidant people because I know I'm going to have my space and I know that they know how to take care of themselves. And if anything, if they ever need my help, it's either because I'm offering it to them and I'm like, let's figure out how I can show up for you. I think being avoidantly attached can also make you feel extremely guilty at times because you feel like you're not able to be there for others in the ways that they expect you to or need you to, especially if you have someone in your life that shows up for you in ways that you're not willing to show up for them. It could make you feel extremely bad because you feel like it's not equal. There's been many instances within my friendships where I felt like I was just not a good friend because I was so avoidant and I needed so much space away from my friends. And I still do, you know, but you kind of have to communicate earnestly with people in order to make up for the lack of connection. Because as an avoidant person, you're not seeing someone as much as they're used to. And I think a way to make up for that is to, whenever I am around someone, to make sure that I'm honoring how I feel about them and make it very, very apparent. So communicating upfront how much I care about them and doing whatever I can in the moment when I am around them to listen to them and empathize with them and be there for them so that they know that no matter how much time we spend apart, they're always someone that I hold important to my heart and they're always someone that I really, really care about. If you tend to be an avoidantly attached person, you really can't skimp out on that. You have to be very communicative about how much someone means to you if you do need your space more often. And I think a way that I've been able to meet my needs as an anxiously attached person is to just be a lot more upfront about what I need from the other person. And if someone is willing to ignore my needs or make me feel crazy for having those needs, to draw the boundary for myself in not having that person in my life anymore. I feel like this part is really important in a sense where I no longer allow myself to be around 
avoidantly attached people who are not empathetic and do not care and are more selfish. I feel like in order to make sure I'm not anxiously attaching, I have to be around people who actually care about me, empathize, listens, and are willing to try to meet my needs in the best ways they can. If I find myself being anxiously attached, I immediately bring that up to someone. I'm feeling insecure about this. And therefore, what would really help me is this. And it makes it a lot easier for the other person to show up for me in the ways that I need, but it also gives them an opportunity to show up for me in the ways that I need so that I'm not just automatically turning around and running away from them when I'm realizing my needs aren't met. It gives us both an opportunity to have that conversation and give us both a chance to talk about what's wrong and to make up for what's wrong. And also it helps me be able to communicate and express myself, which really, really does help because as someone who does have anxious attachment style and avoidant attachment style, I could really struggle with feeling anxious about something and then wanting to run away when I feel like the anxiety isn't addressed and can't be fixed. I wanted to end today's video on a positive note and read some of the things that my partner has learned while being in a relationship with me. And when he was telling me these kind of things, I literally just wanted to tear up because it was just so sweet. And because I think sometimes we could lose track of all the ways that you and your partner are growing as people within the relationship because a lot of the times we do learn and grow through hardships, right? Through tense moments of disagreements or arguments. And so sometimes if you don't have these moments of perspective, you could feel as if a partnership is just so difficult and there's no light at the end of the tunnel. So this was a really good reminder to me that there's always learning happening and to not feel so discouraged by it. So I asked my partner, what are the ways that he has been able to continually heal his attachment style while being in a relationship with me? And he said, you are very literal, so I don't have to read into and interpret things like I've had to in the past. It's still something I'm unlearning, but not having to worry about if you're being passive aggressive when you say something is a really big help. He also said, I've had unhealthy relationships where my past partners didn't really encourage me to do things that I wanted to do. They set up expectations for how they think I should be as a person and put those expectations onto me. Whereas you just allow me to be myself and you encourage and give honest feedback whether it hurts my feelings or not. I think one of the biggest differences between you and my previous partners is that you're able to express your emotions verbally as opposed to just being angry, sad, disappointed, etc. And he also said having to work towards being more securely attached has been one of the most difficult parts for me in terms of my own personal growth. Having to learn to not be as reactive has also been very difficult. You're very sensitive to tell whenever I'm getting frustrated or angry, so getting that more under control is a learning curve that I'm still working on. And then he also ended that with, I'm not really used to someone actually trying to diffuse an argument. I was always used to my past partners just pushing things further and further until something breaks. I think that's the biggest thing when you or your partner may both have insecure attachment style is you guys are more interested in trying to 
find a way to get your needs met in a way that may not be healthy. And it's more so an expression of pain rather than trying to express yourself in order to resolve an issue. I think that's something to keep in mind when you are talking about attachment style and wanting to be a more securely attached person is sometimes what you need in order to become more securely attached may not be easy. And that's the purpose of growth is because something that may be hard may actually be good for you. That's the purpose of medicine sometimes. And I think differentiating that could be difficult, especially if you have trauma, because you might associate something that feels bad as danger and as something that's not good. And likewise, you might mistake something that feels normal and something you might be used to as a good thing, when in reality, growth could be uncomfortable and different and sometimes even scary. That is just something that you have to continually exercise self-awareness on in terms of reflecting and processing your own emotions and your own behavior patterns. What are those ways that you can challenge yourself? What are those ways you can allow your partner to challenge you in order to be continually growing as a person and healing your different attachment style wounds? What are your attachment styles that you may struggle with? And what are the different ways that you are trying to reach secure attachment? Let me know in the comments section down below. Thank you guys again for tuning in on today's video and remember to be patient with yourselves. I will see you guys on next week's video. Bye.